Hey, everybody. Welcome to Who's Left, a podcast on Indiana politics, history, and culture from an unapologetically leftist perspective. My name is Scott Aaron Rogers, and I'm coming to you from Bloomington. First, an apology. It has been far too long since I posted last. March is an incredibly busy month around the old Rogers homestead. My wife and I celebrated both her birthday and our anniversary the first weekend of the month. Uh, We went up to a cute little bed and breakfast in South Haven, Michigan. Enjoyed a walk on the pier. Found a cool little tavern. And uh, were able to partake in the fruits of having a modern 21st century state government, if you know what I mean. The uh, following weekend, this dad got to work in the kitchen putting together from-scratch pizzas and a seven-layer strawberry birthday cake, also from scratch, for my uh, daughter and the house full of kids here to celebrate with her. And like a good Hoosier, I took advantage of NCAA tournament games being held here in Bloomington to catch some live March Madness. My uh, Lady Hoosiers losing at home in the round of 32 may have broken me, but really I think that post-COVID brain fog has made organizing my thoughts difficult, and I've been struggling to juggle the many hats I wear. Uh, As you may know, I work as a handyman contractor during the week, and the way the schedule works out in my family means I wind up doing a lot of the cooking, errands, and kid transportation too. So... Losing weekend time really cuts into my ability to work on political writing, recording, organizing. But this is where my enthusiasm lies and where I would like to focus much more of my energy. But the bills don't take a pause for our passion projects, and it's still important to take time to be an active parent and partner. But I, uh, I feel I owe all of you more, particularly my paid subscribers, And so now we've sprung ahead, the calendar has turned to April, and I promise to bring you content on a more regular basis. If you value this project and would like to help me devote more time to it, please consider becoming a paid subscriber at scottaaronrogers.substack.com. Anyway, that concludes my spring fun drive. I am super excited today for my guest. A big catch for a little pod like this one. Jessica Piper has spent her entire life living in rural America. She taught high school English and public schools for 16 years, and while voting in her northwest Missouri district in 2020, noticed the Republican candidate for state representative running unopposed. She made up her mind on the spot to run in 2022 and did just so, eventually losing to her Republican opponent. Despite the loss, Piper has gained a huge social media following as an unapologetic dirt road Democrat. With over 90,000 followers on Twitter and an astounding 200,000 plus on TikTok, she has become one of the most effective Democratic messengers and fundraisers out there. Now, the executive director of Blue Missouri, she's on the front lines pushing back against GOP supermajority overreach in her red state. Us Hoosiers and red state lefties nationwide could learn a thing or two as we attempt to claw back a little power from our rigged state legislatures. Here's my conversation with Jess Piper. Jess Piper, thank you so much for joining Who's Left. Um, Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. 
I really appreciate it. It's an honor. Uh, so, like, important question, first of all. Uh, you are a resident of the Show Me State. Um, for an out-of-stater, is the pr- correct pronunciation Missouri or Missouri? Missouri, for sure. Up in my neck of the woods, anyway. <laughs> yeah, is, is it a regional thing? Like, uh, yeah. different parts of the state say it different way? For sure. I think I, I hear it a lot uh, down in southern Missouri um, and maybe in the mid-state, but definitely Missouri up here. Cool. Fantastic. Wanted to make sure I was saying that right. <laughs> so Missouri and Indiana are um, really similar in that um, there is a Republican supermajority in, in, in both states, House and Senate and governor. And um, in, in a lot of ways, that goes back to the 2010 election. Um, you know, the, the the Tea Party election, the backlash to Obama. Um so with both of our states stacked against us what what are our best options for getting any kind of progress done making sure that there are candidates in every single part of the state i don't know what indiana's numbers are but they i suspect they're like missouri 40% mm-hmm. of house seats went un you know uncontested and so you're just giving away your state. Um, you are letting Republicans keep money in their pocket, uh, money that they can go and take into blue districts and start chipping away at them. Um, you're making them where you know they can write any law. Um, the more extreme, the better. Um, and so by not contesting every single race, um, we see Republican extremism in action. And once you get to a point like that, you're, you know, it's hard to, to fight back because you're in a super minority. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I guess what you're saying is like to make them play some defense. Um, yeah, which is if, if, what yeah, they don't to do. So, yeah, if they if they have to defend seats they wouldn't normally defend even if they win even if they win going away they still have to devote some resources that they're not able to use somewhere else yes right time and resources and if you're contesting a race you're forcing that representative to stay home and to make calls and to knock doors where otherwise if it's uncontested they can hit the next district and help that person out right Mm -hmm. um and of course the money the money is a huge issue if you make them drop money into every single race that obviously reduces the amount of money they can spend you know everywhere um now, m- money is a problem on the Democratic end, too, obviously. Like, um, you know, Republicans have deep, deep, deep pockets. Um, so, I guess, where where's our George Soros money, number one? <laughs> I'm still waiting on my Antifa check. Um, but, but, you know, number two, like, can we... Can we afford to? Can we afford not to? Um... Yeah, it's always, um, you know, you're working with smaller donors. You're working with grassroots organization, um, which, in my opinion, is a better way to raise Mm -hmm. money. But it takes us longer. Uh, We have to start earlier. We have to work harder. We have to prove to people that 
sending us $25 a month is going to make a difference. Um, and you know, we don't, we don't have those deep pockets in general. So, um, it's a lot more work for Democrats. Uh, for sure. And, um, I guess one of the things um, about, you know, having to work against that Republican supermajority is, you know, you've got obviously running in every election, but um, are there other ways that you're finding in like now Missouri, I understand has got um, citizen referendum. You can do, you can do citizens initiatives uh, there. Mm -hmm. Um, Have y'all had any luck with those? Yeah, we have a ton of luck. I mean, uh, we expanded uh, Medicaid and we beat back right to work and we got um, medicinal marijuana and then recreational marijuana. Um, so that's the only way that Missourians get the good part of government is to, you know, the initiative petition process, which is why the Republicans are attacking it and uh, trying to take it away. Yeah, I think I saw a little bit about that. Uh, were, were they trying to like raise the threshold to 60%? I yeah, believe Ohio's the, doing something similar. I was going to say it's the same exact bill that you you'll see in other red states because it's not written by our lawmakers, but it's um, raising the amount of signatures could be part of it. Raising um, instead of having a simple majority to pass, it would need you know sixty percent uh, to pass. So they're just trying to make it much more difficult for us to get the good stuff. <laughs> Well, yeah, fortunately, you have have that option, at least. Indiana doesn't even have citizens' initiatives. We, um, we're we really, really pushing uphill. Um, one thing you mentioned um, was the same bills in multiple states. Now, that is uh-huh. uh, that sounds like the work of uh, ALEC. That's the American uh, Legis- Legislative Exchange Council, um, yeah. if that's correct. Now, that's uh, one of your... Coke found, founded operations. Um, I, I assume they're active in your neck of the woods as well. Yeah, they're very active. And you can tell because, um, you know, we have these extreme bills that are everywhere in every state. Uh, we just passed one uh, limiting gender affirming care for trans kids. It went through, I think, this, I think it was Indiana. We've got the same, same bill they're debating bill. currently. Yeah. Yeah. And they, I think they both went through on the same day. Um, and so that was written by Alec. Um, and you know this because if there's ever a Democrat who's able to question the person who's supposed to be the sponsor or the author mm-hmm. of the bill, they can't explain their own bill because they didn't write it. Uh, they give you the, 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 the Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I g- given that, we on the left are, are, are working against uh, a lot. We've got the gerrymanders we have to overcome. We've got super majorities we have to overcome. We've got uh, Koch brothers money we have to overcome. Um, sounds like the only thing we can do is win with overwhelming numbers. Yeah. Are you seeing... Um, as you're talking to people in rural Missouri that conservatives are getting fed up that, that they think Republicans have jumped the shark. No, (laughs) just to be honest. No. Um, I do have a lot of folks when I talk to them that are 
conservatives or Republicans that are anti-Trump. Um, but those folks were really hard to flip um, all the way over. Um, a lot of times they're falling for the culture wars. They're falling for, you know, trans kids. They're falling for uh, the fact that they think, you know, maybe public schools aren't doing what they should do, that sort of thing. So um, in my last election, I was able to flip over 400 people. And I mean, that's a good thing. Uh, but I still got 25% of the vote at the end of the day. So it's going to be a struggle for a long time. But um, Republicans learned to play the long game mm, from mm-hmm. the 70s. Um, and Democrats need to do the same thing. Yeah. Well, the, you know, back to Friends of the Pod, the Cokes. I mean, that was a 50-year operation b- b- before yeah. it was really bearing any, any fruit. Uh, and yeah. now all of the fruit. Yeah. Um, so if we're not really finding conservatives or are, are, are the independent voters finding that, 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 uh, Republicans have gone too far. Um, what I found is that when someone says they're independent, they're most likely a Republican, um, it's, they don't want to necessarily associate. Here's what I'll say. I've never heard someone say they were an independent and then find out that they're left leaning. They're usually mm. right leaning. Um, so it's going to be engaging uh, new voters, I think, is going to be, you know, the strategy that we need to do, which is why they're trying to, um, you know, restrict how you can vote, where you can vote, when you can vote, that sort of thing. So because they know um, and young voters in general are not cool with what's going on. Uh, They're angry. They're mad. uh, They've had enough. But uh, younger voters usually don't like to be called Democrats. They don't like that box, you know. Um, So, yeah, it's it's a wide range. But uh, uh, flipping a, a MAGA person is near to impossible. Swaying a conservative, sometimes you can do it. But in general, I think the best strategy is to register new voters. Okay. So you're, um, a couple weeks ago, I wrote about, you know, talking to Trump voters and maybe trying to find some of those, those Sanders Trump people from, Mm -hmm. from 2016 and, um, kind of trying to reclaim the lost democratic rural um, constituency because the the Democrats used to dominate um, with farmers and in in the rural areas and, you know, before Nixon, the Southern strategy and all that. But um, like you still see a bit of it up in like Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Like they, they've managed to sort of keep Iowa's decent, about it, you know, the, like the Democrats up there have, are are better with rural engagement than than we are down here. Are um, are we learning anything from them? I don't know. It's difficult to, um, because people always say, you know, the Democrats left the rural parts of America. That's true, but so did the Republicans. There's nobody out here asking for votes or, you know, knocking doors or anything like that. It's going to take a long time, but it's 
has a lot to do too with religion and also, um, you know, misinformation, disinformation from Fox or OAN or Newsmax or wherever, you know, folks are getting their news. So there's a lot of issues. It's not that they're like, oh, Democrats are elitist or whatever. They don't think that. They just think that in general, we're unchristian and, (laughs) you know, not to be trusted. So, yeah. Well, I mean, they may have nailed me a little bit, but... um... (laughs) That, that's one of the things I'm I'm very much uh, diving deep on right now is is the like the third wave Pentecostal movement the the seven mountains Dominionists uh, they've got a bunch of names for themselves it's very shadowy um, yeah and that's one thing I, I think that the left really struggles with is having those communal spaces where people come together. Um, the, the, the churches have that, um, and, and, and obviously not all the churches are that way. There are, you know, left Christians, um, who I wish were a lot louder. Yeah. Um, but how do we make up that gap? Um, we, well, are we, when we don't have those basis necessarily we i mean we have public schools we have universities um for now there's such a there's such um a decline though in folks who say that they're religious and Mm -hmm. they're also losing those spaces you know this is i think last year the year before they did the study and it was the first time that there was uh, less than half of the population that identified as someone who went to church regularly. Right. So they're losing those spaces too. Um, but unfortunately you, you do, and I'm, it's fine if you want to go to church and, and do whatever. I'm absolutely cool with that. I grew up like that. It's just when they try to use religion, um, you know, to enforce laws or create laws that these, I see it's problematic. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the the founders who they worship almost as demigods would not have been cool with this. Right. Exactly. Um. So then it sounds like turnout, turnout, turnout is is how we win and we have to try even harder because of all the hurdles that are put yeah. in our way. What, what, what is the message that's resonating as you're talking to people? Um, you know, defunded schools, the roads are really bad. Roads um, are a big issue in Missouri. And so when we talk about, you know, 20 years of defunding the Department of Transportation, folks get kind of upset about that. And then you just always point them to the, the people who are in charge, the people who are in control, who did this. Um, and that seems to be a little helpful. Also, you know, talking about bodily autonomy. I know people don't want to, they think, oh, don't talk about abortion in rural spaces. But, you know, I was able to flip people by talking about what's going on. And that's why they're going after the initiative petition process in Missouri is because we we're going to put abortion on the ballot and they're scared of that. 
yeah, I mean, like, even in these you know, conservative states, I, I believe, you know, 65% or more of, of the population is supportive of uh, abortion rights in some form or another. I mean, look at uh, the success Kansas had last year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's encouraging. Yeah. Um, if you look up, up in uh, Nebraska right now, um, Michaela Cavanaugh's doing great things up there. Um, mm-hmm. She's been like an ongoing three-week filibuster to keep the uh, the anti-trans bill there uh, from passing. Um, is stuff like that helpful for us? Um, I, I, I love to see the fight. I love to see the yeah. fight. Yeah, we just um, we had a couple days of filibustering for the same thing in the Missouri Senate, um, and they ended up, you know, they did pass the bill, uh, but they were able to put a sunset on it. I know it doesn't sound like much, but they were able to say in four years this goes away. They were also able to say if you're currently undergoing care, you can keep undergoing care, um, but it does ban, you know, someone coming in tomorrow. But I mean, we'll take a, a small win where we can. But yeah, I mean, everyone loves a fighter. Everyone loves a, a Democrat who will stand up and fight. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think Democrats have been particularly bad about this for, oh, probably my entire lifetime. Um, we, we, we often come off as like scolds or nags. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, I think... At least for me, I think the winning strategy going forward is punch the bully in the nose. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah, they've gone too far. Um, that said, like, so is there a Democrat on the national stage that you see or or maybe someone off the national stage at the state level who's an up-and-comer who, who who's doing it right, who the rest of us should be be looking at for cues. So in my area, because I'm in such a very rural area, I think John Tester is, you know, a great Democrat who understands working people, understands, you know, people who live in rural spaces. So I love John Tester. And of course, I've got my favorites, you know, AOC. Uh, I enjoy listening to Bernie, watching Bernie, Um, Elizabeth Warren, Katie Porter. Um, All of these folks, I think, are, and of course, Stacey Abrams in, in Georgia, all these people are, you know, pushing and they have a message and they're organizing. And that's the biggest thing about running that people should understand is it's organizing. It's getting people together. You know, even if you don't win, how many did you organize? How many found each other? And we'll keep continuing to do the work. Yeah. It's like a re- rebuilding a, a, a new foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, how How is your state party doing? Uh, are they... Do you find them helpful? Um, how do you do you get help from national at all? No, no national. Um, I didn't. I didn't receive any money from the state party, and it's not necessarily because they didn't want to. But um, when you're in a state, and you know this in Indiana, when you're in a state that's under a supermajority, and all mm-hmm. these um, places don't even you know garner candidates half the time. 
you're in a place that becomes unwinnable and people are hesitant to send money to places like that. And so I can't fault the Democrats for choosing five or six seats to try to flip, but the rest of the state fell by the wayside. Um, a minute ago, you know, we were talking about Democrats that do things well. And like you mentioned, uh, like Tester and he, he's, you know, generally, a. Uh, a moderate or conservative yeah. Democrat, um, you know, knows his constituency. Um, yeah. the mention, the, the rest you mentioned were, you know, certainly more on the, the progressive side in these places where we, you know, have no shot as it were. Um, is that a good place to try out like a more progressive message? Like we're going to, we're going to lose. We're going to get smoked. We might as well see if we can get like, well, maybe this will gain traction. Like the, no, the, the I, this, yeah, the squishy moderate Democrat has not been working at least here. Yeah. I always say swing left, just go for it. Um, because I, I think, you know, Joe Biden did not fare well at all in my district. And I know that Bernie would have done better. Um, because you had people that were wavering what, when they were first, you know, out there before the the primary. You had people like, oh, I like Bernie. I like Trump. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, these are, I think, rule grounds, uh, rule races are places to, to try things and to see what works. There's no reason to hold back and be moderate. There is never a person who said, you know, I was going to vote for you, but then you talked about abortion. That's not true. Like you weren't going to vote for me at all, but I pulled three people out because I did say the word abortion. Right. Mm -hmm. So it go for it. Just go left. <laughs> I, oh, I, I love it. I love it. Um, oh, you had something. And I, <laughs> I had a thought and it just escaped me. Um, no, so there it is. It's the it's the the the, the populism, you know, the, between the Trump and, and and Bernie. You know, they diametrically opposed, but um, both speak to the way economic elites are are, are putting the screws to the majority of people. Um, right. One of them actually, you know, wants to do same thing about it. The other is just empty language, but. Um, I think especially away from the cities that the authenticity is, is valued more. Yeah. Um, like people do not want to hear politics speak. Right. And I, and, I don't, I don't want to hear political speak. <laughs> Right, and like, that's all I do all day long. <laughs> out, out here in the boonies, we know bullshit when we smell it. That's what we work with. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, I, 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 I love it. Like, do not be afraid to be yourself, to be progressive, and we need more unapologetic progressive who are willing to, 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 to jump in there for sure uh what what's what keeps you going what's your hope um that i i mean i can't stop i'm i'm not moving i'm not going anywhere i'm not taking off to california or new york like everyone tells me to so um i have no choice but to try to keep working to make missouri 
uh, better for my kids. And I don't need, I don't need a blue Missouri. I need a purple Missouri. I need two parties working together. I need, we can't make any compromises right now. I, I can't, I couldn't compromise with um, anything they say because they have their boot on our neck, right? Um, the only thing we can do is just absolutely oppose them at every single turn and then just keep talking to our neighbors and trying to, and we know we know our neighbors like progressive um, items because they voted they voted for recreational marijuana, right? It's just a pro- the problem is they turn around and vote for someone who doesn't want them to have it. Um, and the reason that happens is because in initiative petition process, um, ballot language, there's not an R or a D behind it. So they're mm-hmm. forced to read it and forced to figure out what's best for them. And they, in general, will pick something that's progressive because it's better for them. It, it, it's true. It's true. When, when, you, when you take the labels off, um, you know, ask people about most things, they are, they are progressive on the issues. And even on the culture war stuff, it's like, once you know somebody, um, like, oh well, well I know them. They're one of the good ones, you know. And, yeah. and it's it's just, uh, I guess, small interactions. A lot of them over time, and that's that's how that's how we're gonna win this thing. We're in for the long haul, aren't we? Yeah, we are. No, no quick fixes. <laughs> nope, it's a long game. Oh <laughs> uh, well. Jess Piper, you uh, inspire me to keep trying this, and uh, to, to you know keep me in the long game here. And uh, I, I appreciate what you're doing out there, Missouri. And uh, I, I want to see that that enthusiasm uh, contagious all across uh, the red Midwest here. Yeah, well, I appreciate you, and thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. That was my interview with Blue Missouri Executive Director Jessica Piper. I'd like to take a closer look at some of the points we discussed. The uh, the thing that struck me most and really knocked me back during our conversation was that she's not finding Republicans and conservative-leaning independents who think the GOP supermajority has gone too far. To those of us on the left, Republican extremism is totally obvious. But those getting their information from Fox, OAN, Newsmax, or other conservative sources are locked in such a tight media bubble that opposing viewpoints are never even presented. When presented with observable facts, conservative information consumers uh, have no idea what to do. What objective observers plainly see as GOP overreach, unpopular policies that even rank-and-file Republicans oppose, Negative outcomes that even dyed-in-the-wool conservatives decry are painted as success stories in this closed media environment. Those who might become our allies have been insulated from the truth. And I knew it was bad, but I didn't think it was that bad. It uh, really knocked me on my ass to hear that and illustrates how much work we really have to do. And we talked about that, too, how the deck is stacked against the left Republicans hold all the advantages as anti-democratic hurdles that benefit the rich and powerful abound in the American political system. 
The undemocratic electoral college is one such mechanism. The U.S. Senate and its equal apportionment by state, which gives small population rural states disproportionate representation, is another such hurdle. Supreme Court decisions such as Buckley, Bilotti, and Citizens United, which essentially legalized bribery, are another. Despite conservatives shouting about George Soros all the time, and let it be known, whenever they invoke Soros, they just mean Jewish. Their conspiracy theories are the same they've always been. The vast majority of billionaire political donations go to Republicans. These American oligarchs fund a sprawling network of think tanks and not-for-profit foundations to shape public opinion, populate government with partisan operatives, and obfuscate the truth. We specifically mentioned the Koch Network, that's K-O-C-H, not Coca-Cola, and ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council. Uh, According to the Center for Media and Democracy, ALEC describes itself as the largest membership organization of state legislators, but could more accurately be characterized as a corporate bill mill. This is a uh, right-wing group that draws up model legislation for Republicans to introduce in many states, perhaps with minor tweaks here or there. For example, Uh, Anti-trans legislation is working its way through the state houses in Indiana, Kentucky, Idaho, Nebraska, and elsewhere. Uh, Fun fact, Indiana was the guinea pig they used for voter ID laws, which have uh, since been adopted in several other states and used to disenfranchise voters of color in particular. I I cannot recommend the book uh, Dark Money, by Jane Mayer, enough. Um, This documents the uh, machinations of Charles Koch, his younger brother David, may he rest in hell, and other property rights supremacists who've used their wealth and connections to bend the law to their will over the last 50 years. They've effectively neutered the federal government and forced decisions of consequence down to the state level where politicians are more malleable and cheaper to bribe. Now, Missouri fortunately has a constitution that allows ballot initiatives. They've used this process to expand Medicaid eligibility, block anti-union right-to-work laws, and approve medical and then recreational cannabis use. Voters in Ohio and Kansas, too, have used uh, citizens' referenda to effect change in their states. Michigan has seen tremendous success with voters outlawing partisan gerrymandering in their state. Uh, This led to competitive districts and Democrats capturing a trifecta in state government for the first time in 40 years. Leading to real, tangible reforms like codifying abortion rights in the state constitution and repealing their right-to-work law. Such direct democracy has scared the shit out of conservatives to such an extent that Republican lawmakers in multiple states have sought to change the rules, like raising the threshold for passage to 60% or even two-thirds 
on these ballot initiatives. Now, as a Hoosier, I'd love to have even that much power to scare the shit out of our elected officials. Uh, We don't have the option of citizens' referenda. We can't put our agenda on the ballot. Our state and congressional districts are so gerrymandered, we don't have much of a choice. We can't even throw the bums out. They've got the districts so rigged. And we're outgunned when it comes to fundraising. Corporate sellout Republicans seem to have limitless dollars at their disposal. So what do we have? We have the energy, the anger, and the numbers. It is on us, those who have become awake to the severity of our situation, to effect change. Like Jess said, we must, one, run in every race. Uh, Are you a liberal in an uncontested conservative area? Contest it. Make them fight us on their territory. Spend resources they wouldn't normally spend and defend their indefensible policies. Uh, Two, engage new voters. So many people are disillusioned with politics and feel like both parties are the same or don't represent them. Well, they've kind of been right. The uh, last generation of Democrats went wrong by accepting the neoliberal order. They sacrificed the working class vote to chase campaign cash. We, the new generation, must draw a line, say that was in the past. We're sorry, our bad, no more. We recognize the error of our ways, um, make amends, and pursue a broad left populist strategy everywhere. And number three, be ourselves. Be unapologetic. Be bold. Blue-collar voters know bullshit when they smell it. Lord knows I've had to get into my fair share of plumbing over the years. Democrats have spent years chasing an imaginary middle in red states with candidates twisting themselves in knots to appear authentic. Well, you can't fake authenticity. Everybody hates politics speak. By and large, progressives win on the issues. Everywhere. Even in red states. We don't need to run away from our positions. We don't need to waffle. We don't need to hem and haw. What's the worst that can happen? We lose? We're going to lose anyway. I would rather lose big and go down swinging as myself than lose narrowly by compromising. Or worse, not trying at all. People see their public schools failing as Republicans funnel money to private and charter schools. People see abortion rights and trans rights trampled as conservatives legislate against bodily autonomy and medical privacy. People see their roads and bridges crumbling as the right prioritizes culture war issues and tax cuts for the rich while ignoring the decay all around us. We must give the people reason not to give up because we must refuse to give up. This is our home. This was our parents' and our grandparents' home. 
We are established here. Our families and friends are here. Our children attend school here. Even in the reddest areas, we're still like 40% of the population. Some folks speak of national divorce or secession like that's a solution. There can be no national divorce. We cannot let imaginary lines determine the fate of our fellow humans. Many who would leave if they could cannot afford to. Are we supposed to leave them behind? Absolutely not. Now, I specifically want to address people that look like me. Straight, white, maybe middle class, maybe just hanging by a thread. Maybe you're doing okay, maybe you're not doing okay. Maybe you've never been political. Keep your head down, go to work, keep food on the table, try to keep up on the bills. Like, a blown furnace away from being, oh fuck, what do I do now? Why stick our necks out? Um... In 1963, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said in a letter from jail, and unfortunately, it's still applicable today. When he says the word Negro, you could substitute immigrant, trans kid, red state woman, or keep it the same. Still, 60 years later, it still applies. Pick your out group. But he said... I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in the stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klanner, but the white moderate, who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I can't agree with your methods of direct action. Who paternalistically feels he can set the timetable for another man's freedom. Who lives by the myth of time and who constantly advises the Negro to wait until a more convenient season. More succinctly, late 18th century British parliamentarian and abolitionist William Wilberforce said, you may choose to look the other way but you can never say again that you did not know. Don't be that guy. We can't afford to be that guy anymore. We know something is wrong. Everyone left and right can see that our governments have been captured by special interests. We all see the religious extremists are trying to foist their beliefs on the rest of us. We all know billionaires and corporations have hoovered all the wealth from the lower classes to themselves. It sucks that this is the way things are. And yes, that was a pun. But change doesn't happen in this country until white people speak up. Especially us, men. When black folks speak up, they're labeled as angry. When a woman raises her voice against injustice, she's called bitchy. When a white man bellows his opinion, that's the primetime lineup on Fox News. But seriously, the rich and powerful in this country 
do not change course until a critical mass of white people come together and say the famous line from the movie Network, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Well, this one has had enough of Republican supermajority rule in Indiana. There will never be a more convenient season, and I will not look the other way. I'm not okay with women of this state losing control over their own bodies, nor am I okay with trans kid losing control over theirs. I'm not okay with tax cuts for the rich while working people struggle to pay the bills. I'm not okay with lax environmental regulations. I'm not okay with double-dealing school privatizers using the levers of government to destroy publication for their own profit. I've had enough of these sanctimonious Christian nationalist fucks trying to run our state like their church. No more head down. No more comfort zone. We leave no one behind. We are tired of those above us driving a wedge between us and our neighbors. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. And I hope the rest of you feel the same. All right, friends. That's it for me. Big thanks to Jessica Piper, who was so generous with her time. You can find her on Twitter at Piper4Missouri. That's the number four. Or on TikTok at JessPiperMO. As always, I'm on Twitter at ScottRodge78. Please subscribe and share, and please rate and review on your favorite podcast app. This helps build our little community here. This has been Who's Left. I'm Scott Aaron Rogers. Love each other, indeed.